What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pardon the Disruption. I'm RJ Bates III. We hope you had a very Merry Christmas and you are going to have a great 2024. And we hope you have a great Happy New Year's. Listen, we're off this week because of the holidays, but we still want to provide you some highlights from 2023. So I took some time to put together some of my personal favorite moments from this previous year, Pardon the Disruption. Listen, we got Eric Brewer roasting me. We got the guys talking about the Closers Olympics. We have our live in-person at Family Mastermind. We had Pace Morby as a special guest. This year of Pardon the Disruption was one of my most favorite things I've ever done. Love everybody that's involved with the show. We have a great time giving each other a hard time, but we've also grown together, become very close friends, and we hope you enjoy the show. We can't wait to show you guys what we have in store for 2024, some improvements we're making, and how we're going to build the brand together. So enjoy this compilation of the best moments of part of the disruption in 20. Uh, a new report indicates that nearly all NFTs are worthless, down to being zero dollars. So those giraffes that you invested so much money in that weren't even real giraffes Apes. are now Apes. worth what they were actually worth to begin with, nothing. <laughs> so what do you take into consideration when venturing into a new type of investment to maximize ROI? Leon, I'll start with you. Well, man. first of all, I consider who's pitching it to me. And if this guy is pitching me NFT, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't understand what I was explaining. Every time we do this podcast, there's a thing that's behind uh, Steve that he purchased for how much? 142 grand. $142,000 that's worth how much today? Not 20. Consider the source. Um, consider the source. When we're talking about uh, what we're, um, the quick and easy answer for me is this, is I think you should consider the individual that is um, that you're investing with. I look at some of the people that are in here that uh, I've known for a very, very long time that I trust, know, like, and trust. You know, those boards of advisors that you go to, those are the people that I'm looking. If I'm looking at maximizing returns, it's the investment of the person. All right. Let's go, Steve, let's go to you. Um, I think if you look at when you're investing in some new venture, uh, it says, the question says uh, maximize, but I think you gotta be careful. You gotta be experimenting a new venture, a new opportunity with money you can afford to lose, right? I think that's a big thing. Like when we went into it, we knew we could afford to lose this money. Now the IRS has a slightly different perspective on it, but <laughs> we invested money that we could afford to lose, right? So if you don't be out there gambling with money you can't afford to lose. So. Uh, whether uh, it was NFTs uh, last year, but any new venture you're looking at, uh, we like to do, we call uh, micro steps inside the whale club. Uh, Jim, Collins call, Jim Collins calls them shooting bullets before uh, cannonballs, right? You experiment with what you can afford to lose. If it works, great, double down. If it doesn't work, abandon ship. Let's go RJ, uh, CJ, then RJ. Have you guys seen that show uh, American Greed? Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's what I think about NFTs as somebody who invested in some of them. Here's what I think every time I watch that show. And here's what I've thought in 14 years of business, every time I've been burned by somebody, damn, I needed some common sense. So it's like we bought those NFTs. Shout out to Steve. I don't know why he spent that much money on one, but whatever. So you, we bought these NFTs. Like, what were we going to do with them, really? Right? And so it's like when you're investing in somebody, when somebody's investing in you, I think the baseline is just like, where's my common sense at? If somebody's telling me they're going to give me a 30% return on this investment unsecured, I don't know. Common sense would tell me that could be potentially a bit risky. 
So I'd say common sense is just an easy way to just look at all these things. So first and foremost, I'm going to say I thought Matthew Potter was the only socialist judge that we had. But apparently, <laughs> it's just the name Matt. So you're guaranteed getting a point since you're the only one that hasn't gotten a point yet. Um, and then also, Steve, dude, that was pretty impressive. I thought this was going to be painful for you to answer. But you kind of turned it into a flex on all of us, where you're like, yeah, I mean, it was just 142000 on a cartoon. I, just, <laughs> I could lose that. I mean, it was kind of a cool answer. I liked it. It might be his best answer ever. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, listen, look at the people, and then also, I think the track record that they have. I mean, if this is something that you're wanting to invest into, look back and say, hey, have you done this time and time again? Have you, do you have a proven track record of succeeding? That's like a long way to say common sense. <laughs> yeah, but I had a bunch of jokes before. It was funny. I got you. Yeah, I, I got gave you. you the point anyways. I, nobody left. <laughs> to be clear, it was an investment to join a crypto mastermind. To be clear, that mastermind has not been very fruitful, but it did open one door that has been immensely valuable. So I looked at it as, as an investment. Yeah, that's what I say to myself when I lose money too, man. This is a tough one, right? Do I... Do I give it to Steve because he spent $140,000 on a cartoon that's not real? Or, people like that one. Or, or do I give it to RJ for spending the majority of his question invalidating the answers of all the other panels? Yes! I think you know the answer. I think it's got to go to RJ for that. That was game. That was game. He was spitting game. It's good. Do you think now that buyer brokers do not have to be compensated in the MLS that this will have any impact on the value of homes? or will unrepresented buyers be taken advantage of? Start us off, CJ. Yeah, I mean, look, like, let's be realistic. I mean, you know, in, in many ways, realtors eat up uh, parts of people's uh, ability to purchase a home, right? You know, I talk a lot on here on the show about affordability and, you know, my, my affinity for uh, the realtor community. Uh, shout out to Potter uh, Train. Guy. And, and, the, and the whole realtor gang over there. All right. Uh, but look, affordability is at record lows, right? And you've got agent commissions that are eating up, uh, you know, part of purchase prices for people uh, and, and could allow some compression in the market uh, that I think could help. Uh, so I think this is a good thing. I think realtors deserve to make less money personally, uh, especially the ones that aren't familiar with investing, don't know how to wholesale, don't buy their own properties. Uh, all they do is just shuffle people around, put out cookie trays, and uh, tell everybody uh, with their old headshot on Facebook uh, how great they are. And uh, now's the perfect time to buy a house. All right. Uh, so shout out to all the realtors. Man, you forgot the most important tagline, you know, marry the house and date the rate, bro. Come on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, RJ, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, I cannot wait to hear RJ's thoughts on this one. <laughs> This is like finding out that you finally get to go buy a house without having to bring along your little special ed friend. I mean, <laughs> to answer your question, that's my only shot. I'm going to take a realtors. Okay. Um, Cassie said, I got to slow down because she's a licensed realtor and we love the 1% of you that are good. It's just for me, it's the other 99%. Um, Will this impact the value of homes? No, I don't think it's going to have any impact on the homes whatsoever. Uh, will unrepresented buyers be taken advantage of? No. I think what you'll see now is, is that people are just going to be able to educate themselves by simple Google search, 
YouTube videos will be made available. Um, there are going to be plenty of people that provide free education to homeowners to figure out, you know, all of the disclosures and whatever addendums need to be signed and things like that. People have been doing real estate without realtors forever. I don't think that this is going to lead to people being taken advantage of any more than they're already being taken advantage of by their ignorant realtors. Let's be honest. Are they really taking care of us? I don't think so. More often than not, they're just getting the fucking way. Happy birthday to RJ. <laughs> Yo, happy it. birthday, Steve Train, too. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I don't think it's really going to affect pricing so much, right? And I think that's the problem, is that this whole class action suit came about because they were saying the price was getting inflated due to the commissions. I don't think the commissions are affecting the price, right? The fee is the fee. Uh, it doesn't come out of the buyer's pocket whatsoever. It comes out of the seller's pocket, right? But it doesn't come out of the buyer's pocket. So I don't think it's really going to affect pricing, but I do think buyers are going to get screwed. I think buyers are going to get completely hosed. Um, you know, when you're looking to buy a house, to you, when you're buying the house, it doesn't matter which realtor you work with. In your mind, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter until something bad happens. That's when the value of the realtor comes in, right? Whether, you know, you need to get a sewer line scoped over here or what's it going to cost to replace this boiler. There's a lot of things that come in the middle of the transaction where agency actually is important. It's not in finding the house. Finding the house is a useless skill, right? Anyone can do that. You can do that on your own. It's knowing what to look out for when you are under contract. So I think in the long run, buyers get screwed. And I think the rest of the country is generally okay with that. Yeah. There we go. Oh, All right. Left. Awesome. Man, Brewer, Brewer didn't even want to answer the question. Yeah. He's so like, no, nah, I'm out. Wait, wait for it. There we go. It's Eric's turn, CJ. Calm hey. down. All right. All right, Brewer. Wait. Brewer, are you back with us? Blink twice <laughs> if you're okay. <laughs> it's the there we go. Office. Uh, <laughs> all right, Brewer. Go ahead. Uh, first, I want to say if you're a real estate agent and you're watching this, um, you can call or text me at 717-818-3694. Two of these boneheads here um, that continually just crap on real estate agents. Uh, I made $113,000 since October... 13th from real estate agents. So um, you can choose to berate them and operate in your little niche of the world that does 4% of the deals, or you can actually learn how to talk to people that aren't desperate foreclosure homeowners um, and do deals in the open market where people that wear like a shirt and tie once a year go to work, uh, not t-shirt and hockey jerseys um, that smell like the inside of winter mittens. Your so, minute's over. It no doesn't point. matter. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, bottom line is you, you never had to pay a real estate agent. You could have listed a property, paid an agent 3% to list it, and they could choose to give a half a percent to a buyer's agent. Builder's been doing it forever. It will hurt sellers. If you're not offering a buyer agent commission in the short term, no one's going to show your house. They're just not going to show it. Um, or they'll negotiate from the buyer to get a little money. Something will change. But in the short term, I don't see it having a big impact at all. DJ, did yeah. you or did you not hear Steve's answer? The two examples he gave as to what a real estate agent is going to help you with is so apparently not, they're contractors, bro. They're con it's not contractors. Exactly. No, it's, it's things to know, right? It's the the parts about the house that you need to inspect, the parts that you need to make sure are working fine, right? When 
They're saying, is this a warranted repair? Is it a non-warranted repair? Are we going to have this handyman that we're calling Joe's handyman to make the repair? Or are we going to have a licensed contractor do the work, right? These are the kind of things that have long-term repercussions. I think you figure that out on Angie's list, all right? So uh, you could, you could, but now we're assuming everyone's competent. Now, we're do you believe 100% of America is competent? Of course not. Neither is there 100% of realtors. You think the 42-year-old... Uh, Sally Joe, who spent two weeks getting a real estate license, knows what Mary, Mary Kay on this house. I think they'll know more than a typical homeowner. But that doesn't make them. That doesn't make them competent. All right. So, like a couple of things, right? Like on what Steve said and Brewer. Brewer sells all these houses, but I guess he uses a calculator and an Excel spreadsheet when he does math because simple mathematics would tell both of you all that while the buyer doesn't pay commission. The, mm-hmm. the seller pays the commission, but it Correct. affects what their net out is that they can achieve on a sale. So if I'm a seller and I have to pay 6% in commissions on a $400,000 house and my payoff is X amount of dollars, it's going to greatly affect they don't how much care about my property for because I want to certain net. people don't care about the net they're trying to make when they sell a property. No, Maybe that's how you guys do it in AZ and in New York, but... In Texas, no, VA, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you're buying a house for cash, when you're buying a house for cash, they absolutely care about the net. That's what we're negotiating. When you're listing a house with a realtor, you don't care about the net. You care about primarily two numbers. What can you sell my house for? What commission am I paying you? Those are the two numbers that negotiate. The net doesn't matter to them. So the two numbers you're talking about is what impacts the net. Impacts the net. I get it. But they're not saying I need to walk away with four hundred thousand. They're saying I, my neighbor up the street sold my house sold for four thirty. I want to sell it for four thirty, and I don't want to pay more than four percent commission, five percent commission. They come in negotiating these two numbers. They never talk about I have to walk away with X amount. That's well, wholesale. That's why, they're negoti- that's why they're negotiating those two numbers because it affects their net. All right, not necessarily. No, they're worried about the cost, not the net. You're you're jumping to conclusions here. They only worry but about the cost. Would you agree or disagree that cost? Logically, affects- mathematically, everything you're saying is 100% correct. I'm talking about the human psychology Chris, and talking yeah, to a home. Chris, you can be 100% right that it affects the net, and Steve can be 100% right that they don't care. That what they care about is did my house sell as, did, did I get the same amount of uh, money for my house that the guy three doors down did? And am I being treated fairly in this commission thing because I believe or know someone that paid less or someone else will do it for less? Yes, it does impact their net. But it, it's they're they're not asking about those two items in an effort to get to a bottom line number. Bro, what I I don't know what y'all are talking about right now. Well, of sellers, course you don't. It's normal. Care about you know, money you know, it's sophisticated. That's why you don't know about it. It's not, like you, you capitalist. Why do you list all your homes with a real estate agent? Why don't you just put them on your Facebook page? You know how many houses RJ? we just from putting them on Facebook. We list them on MLS, but listen, are we really going to say that people don't care? But that affects your net. Are we really? No, because I don't pay 3% to list a property. I pay 350 bucks because I'm smart. That's awesome. Right. I know it is. But what I'm saying is how do we get to a space where (laughs) are we, are you really arguing that people don't care how much they're going to make on an investment? That is what they're arguing, CJ. 98% of people that didn't buy it as an investment. The only people that cares about the net are investors. No, else, you guys sound crazy as hell right now, man. You guys are talking to the 4% of the people that are selling. Whatever We're talking to the 100% of people that are selling. In, whatever 1% bubble you guys live in in life, where you think that people that are ordinary people 
and, and, and regular working people go to sell houses and they don't care how much they're going to make. Chris, when you buy a car, do you buy, yes, do you, you, go, do you negotiate the price of the car? Do you negotiate you the price of the car or do you negotiate out the door price? Listen, you just ask if they can get them approved. Let's you guys should both go talk to your sales department. Do I make the payments here at the lot or do I get a statement? Do homeowners care about what is the net proceeds to them when they sell their house? When they are sitting down with you, do they say, okay, after all no. these fees and everything, what's the net to me if I owe 200? Less so, than one or four. So I will agree with Steve on that. I would say 25% of them will say I need to net X amount. The other 75, to Steve's point, they literally care what are you selling it for? What's the commission? Like I literally had a lady the other day that was like, which I want to sell that. Yeah, this late. No, no, no. I, I'm. This is the beautiful part about this question. I think that everybody actually has a very valid point. Like that. That is the. That is the thing that about this. At the end of the day, I think the buyers are going to end up getting hosed on this. You know, that's just my personal belief on this. But just you know, like I said, on this one, it's a hard one. But I'm going to go with Steve on this because. He does. He ultimately did make the point. This is this is where a lot of people are. They all they really care about is yo sell it for X, and I only want to pay you Y. That's it. McDonald's recently announced that they are phasing out self-serving sodas by 2023, a move many are calling anti-consumer. What is the biggest anti-consumer practice you see happening in real estate, CJ? Uh, the biggest anti-consumer practice I see happening in real estate. Shout out to all my favorites, uh, real estate agents. All right. All my agents. And I say this with all due respect. I really do. This nationwide hustle taking place to lobby and regulate wholesaling in different areas and localities across the country because Realtors don't want to get on the phone. They don't want to go door to door. They don't want to sit down at somebody's kitchen table. They don't want to do the hard work of pulling data, sourcing and finding opportunities that we do. And uh, they want to get rid of us as a result because doesn't everybody just love their favorite broker that's working only on commission, they're supposed to be your trusted advisor, but their pay is contingent on how much you buy or sell a house for that kind of seems counterproductive, but that's my answer. That might be the most savage answer ever given in PTD history right there. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> uh, Stratton, what about you? Bro, I, mine's on the agent side too. I think the MLS is absolute nonsense. Just because someone went and took a stupid test and now they can wear a suit and go to meetups and network and shake their hands. <laughs> does not mean that like the MLS is like the end all be all. I think it is absolutely ridiculous that everybody just doesn't have access to it. I think Zillow was great. But yeah, I think the MLS is absolutely against the consumer. Let me look at the goddamn houses. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. Let me look at the houses. I don't care that you wear a suit and you go to meetups at a brewery at 12 o'clock in the afternoon so you can go not make money. It's no, yeah, MLS, hands down. All right. You know what? <laughs> We do a really poor job of trying to cater to the realtors. <laughs> uh, Eric, what about you, man? Oh, man. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I honestly, look, I think uh, there's some good points there. It's easy for us to point the, the finger at real estate agents, but if the shoe were on the other foot, um, there are certainly just as many investors and wholesalers that um, don't necessarily run a legitimate business that are dishonest, that um, run shady businesses practices, that have crappy contracts and, 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 and are horrible communicators. It's easy for us to point the finger um, I think the reality is, is that nobody talks about the market that wholesalers serve and everybody wants to get a piece of this, this business, but nobody wants to actually do the work, right? Like if you look at OfferPad, they tried to commercialize an easy transaction. They tried to, to, to service a part of the community that wholesalers have been doing a really good job for, for a very long time. And they ended up getting slapped with a, I was like a $70 million lawsuit or something, um, for misleading business practices because, they were charging hidden fees and it was an unpredictable outcome. So I, I think to, 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 to their point, there is an, there, there's a value to an open market. Real estate agents have their place, wholesalers have their place, and people trying to, to control an open market is probably only doing a disservice to the consumer. They should have a choice. They should be able to go with a wholesaler when their circumstances are a good fit for that and choose a real estate agent if they're a better fit for a more conventional sale. All right, like that take there. Steve, what about you, man? Um, my answer is going to tie very closely to Stratton's first answer. And it's when people that aren't in the business are selling education, uh, charging you 5, 10, 20, 25K to teach you something that they can't do themselves. Right. Um, I think selling something that you aren't educated on or aren't practicing I think it's very anti-consumer because how can you possibly help someone do something that you're not doing yourself? So uh, I, I believe it's the it's the gurus that aren't actually in the business. Uh, and then thank you, CJ and Stratton. I'm looking forward to you know the messages from the realtor community, highlighting the great treatment that my platform, our platform, is is providing <laughs> to the general public. This is gonna be this is gonna be a fun conversation. So thank you guys. Um, but you know, actually, to CJ's note, uh, talking about passing the laws, I'm, I was actually on the conversation. I had a conversation uh, uh, earlier this week with the commissioner, uh, with one of the. Uh, it was a state commissioner for Department of Real Estate, and he's in. I want to say Quebec right now, and it's a bunch of state real estate commissioners for department for for real estate, all talking about how to outlaw real estate. It's like, damn, you guys are taking this real serious. So. Unfortunately, there is some truth to what CJ is saying. Steve, did you mean outlaw wholesaling, uh, or did you did you mean to say outlaw real estate? Because that's a big uphill climb that they have there. Outlaw whole outlaw wholesaling in real estate. All right, because you said outlawing. But was there any other yeah, parts of outlaw. your answer you, you want me to Steve for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If there's anything else, was there was I wearing a mask during that too? <laughs> I wish you were actually. It would have been. <laughs> A nice change of, of aesthetics. Yeah. Outlawing, outlawing. So they're not, gonna, they're outlawing not just going to get rid of houses and real estate, and everybody's going to live outside. They're they're getting. They're I mean, that would be a pretty big lift. That would be a pretty big lift. We outside. I'm sorry, I'm completely disoriented from CJ's personal attacks and trends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Any other debate on this one? That's it. I think bad sub two wholesalers you could throw up there. Mm, I like that. I like this guy. Yeah. Where's Stratton come from, man? I like, that. Like I mean, because like sub two, you're taking a lot of that Rich. person's livelihood in your hands, and then some people just go out, talk out of their ass, and then the person's wondering what's going on like two years later. 
I think that needs to be buttoned up a little bit, almost in the same sense as like the realtors who get a test and then go out there and start slinging stuff. That will 100% get regulated. I don't see how that doesn't get regulated, seeing as how many people are going to get hurt by it. Yeah, sub two, the sub two industry in the next 24 months is going to be quite the interesting industry or, or segment of the market to take a look at. I uh, think if you can do it good, bro, you're fine. But there's a lot of people who don't know shit and they go out there and sub to a house and it's all going to crumble. Yeah, anything easy like that that reaches mass um, where anybody can just go do it and understand how simplistic it is to take over a sub two. You know, you're gonna you're gonna deal with some stuff. The big boys are gonna slap you eventually. All right, so I really like Stratton's answer. I really liked it. Unfortunately, because CJ gave the answer right before, it was kind of like when Fresno State would beat Boise State after Wyoming did it. It was like it's already been done, bro. Like who cares? So I'm gonna go with CJ again. Can anybody else show up this week? My God, I get out of the competition. CJ just running away with it. This All one right. should be fun. I'm really excited for this one. Should we enforce specific performance when a seller changes their mind? All right, go ahead and start us off, Leon. Man, this is a, a is a hot topic. In fact, I had a conversation about this yesterday about performance uh, of a seller. Um, I think that uh, real estate investors in general their language in their in the in the contract has uh, evolved over the years because there there are um, more competitors in the marketplace and absolutely um, if you have signed a contract and you are of able mind and body uh, unlike um, who we were referencing earlier uh, with a no comment uh, then you should be held held accountable to performance absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we got one vote for you better go ahead and pack up the U-Haul. Let's go. All right, Brewer. What are your thoughts? First glance is yes. Now there, there are isolated incidents where um, someone in distress caught us. They made a rash or, you know, a, a rush decision and something in those circumstances have changed and now displacing them by forcing them to sell would cause way more harm than good. Um, in those situations, I think we have to take a step back and make sure that we're not just forcing specific performance um, for the monetary gain. But that's a very small percentage. Oftentimes when people try and back out, they may indicate that there's like some type of displacement or, or it's gonna cause them a lot of pain. But another, um, uh, objection has resurfaced, right? One that we didn't know about earlier that's now come up sort of post-contract. Um, so I think the dangerous precedent when we don't enforce specific inform performances, we lose a lot of integrity um, with our acquisitions people, or our salespeople. They're less likely to sometimes push to overcome objections that they know that two days later, the boss will just let them out of a contract. And then it's, I think it reduces our integrity too. If, if, if those terms are so negotiable that either of us can just back out, I think it gives them the investor permission to just walk away from a deal whenever they don't feel like closing as well. So I would say yes with this small sliver of sometimes when you got to use some discretion. All right. All right. RJ, what are your thoughts? This one's tricky. Um, 
I don't think so. I mean, I, I think if, if the seller is wanting to back out of the contract, then you did a really poor job of understanding why they want to sell you the property and you're not solving their problem. Um, when I look back at this, we have never actually gone after a seller for a specific performance. We do not put memorandums down on properties and we have no problem keeping sellers under contract and closing deals. Um, I think that stems from the way that we do acquisitions. Um, as much as Eric likes to joke about its order taking, um, it's about the fact that we have a relationship from the moment that we get ink on paper all the way through and, and we understand what's going on there. And, and this is a very small percentage of deals for us. And more often than not, when a seller does want to back out, they explain the reason to us. It's for a legitimate reason. Um, and it's it's more like we're granting them the, the termination than it's some weird, awkward legal battle between buyer and seller. Jesus, it's like the Heart Melter uh, podcast over here with uh, RJ Bates right now. I love it. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts? So my preference is to not have to enforce it. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of other options in the Phoenix market. Um, it's either we enforce it uh, across <clears throat> the board or we don't. Right. So we have enforced it uh, in, in the past and we will continue to enforce it. It's a legally binding agreement between two competent adults to Leon's point, right? So you made a decision. We made a decision. We've done our end. You've decided because someone else came later on. They wanted a higher offer. They want to renegotiate. Like that's not on the table here. So for us, we absolutely uh, do enforce specific performance. And I think what's funny is like there's a lot of realtors in our community that's like oh these guys record memorandums like these guys are dirtbags how can they hold the seller to this purchase contract to which i look at as like most realtors won't let the sellers out of a listing agreement right i'm talking to this homeowner they got a listing agreement and they want to sell their house to us but their realtor won't cancel the listing agreement so for me it's always humorous that realtors are high and mighty and they won't cancel a listing agreement and they judge us because we won't cancel our purchase contract I've always felt like it was broken focus. Uh, you know, you're you're chasing a ghost. You're getting attorneys involved. You're you're gonna over what? Go do more deals. Like, is that one deal really that important to you? Is that one deal important to your acquisition manager who's expecting to get paid a commission on this deal? Potentially. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of you got them to say, do a better job. Here's a copy of extreme ownership. Since y'all love to bring that up a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> there's a, there's well, a lot of good here. And, and I would say this, that the two things that RJ and Eric both said is Eric talked about process. RJ talked about trust. If you have built a great relationship <laughs> and trust and your process is one that has informed that seller of, of, of able body and mind that this is a legally binding agreement and that trust and that process is on point. 
then they should absolutely perform based upon the process being right and the trust that was built unless a rare occurrence happens where that seller passes away before closing or something along those lines that is very rare comes up. I think that we're all kind of saying the same thing, but it goes back to what we're, we didn't really highlight, which is a proper pro process and great trust that's built up before that contract is signed. I got a quick question for you guys. I'm going to interject a personal experience since, you know, we all dislike realtors over here. So I'm going to give you guys this personal experience. I had a buyer that was that I was representing who was purchasing a property off the MLS. It had been listed and there was a wholesaler who had filed a memorandum. Now, this guy's not exactly known as being the sweetest wholesaler that anybody has ever met. Certainly not the caliber of individuals that I see on the screen in front of me. Now, we were two weeks away from foreclosure sell date, and he came back and said, I want 30 grand of her profit, or I don't care, it can go to foreclosure. What are your guys' thoughts on that? That's the Is kind of move right there that brings, uh, that. that's what gets us in trouble. Right. That's where realtors say wholesalers but, are scum. That's where regulations are going to come down on us because that shouldn't be the case. And and then quite frankly, this is why I don't think wholesalers should be putting memorandums down on properties because we sit here and say, no, you should, because we don't want a seller to back out from us when that's a very rare occurrence. If you're halfway decent at, at acquisitions and then you run into a scenario like that, they've lost their their reason why they're doing this and that's why they're not successful guaranteed rj so, you're so full of shit. like you you send out a hundred offers to people that said send me the contract i'll sign and you get 20 back no right? that's that bullshit. my 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 contract to sign ratio is 73.7 percent okay so 30% of the people said they were going to sign it and didn't sign it. They just backed out before you got it inked. Correct. So mortgage companies, let's use that as an example, right? You probably buy homes that are in some sense of pre-foreclosure. Like the is, is, is someone defaulting on a mortgage and not making payment and upholding their obligations? Should the mortgage company just say, hey, we should have done a better job of underwriting the borrower when we extended the loan and we're not going to enforce our, our mortgage and, and foreclose on the property. Should they take the same approach to enforcing their mortgages? Isn't that what forbearance is called and loan modification? They give them options, you don't, right? You don't just let them out of the mortgage. No. So we're, we're also not a lender. We're a buyer. This is a, a transaction. We're supposed obligations to be are obligations, contracts are contracts, right? Like at, at the end of the day, if if someone it depends what we define as backing out if someone made a commitment I, I do agree with you to a certain extent that i think there's people that rush through the process they get somebody to sign something they don't really understand and in the next few days it becomes more real and they're like hey this is not what i agreed to like i do agree that there's some element of of people in this business that are probably doing that and i think jamming somebody for that is 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 foul play the, the, the real estate agent holding someone accountable a listing agreement, it is what it is, but there's got to be consistency. You can't be a real estate agent and say, I have a legal binding listing agreement. If you sell it outside of this relationship, you owe me 6%. You can't be a buyer like yourself and say, hey, we execute on contracts. We don't back out. 
and then say that a seller can, there just has to be consistency in the integrity of the business. And, and it, saying it, that it you can we, we have conversation. I mean, I could think of in the past year, maybe two sellers doing so out of the you so 73% contract assigned. How many signed contracts actually go to settlement? Right now we are at 70%. So what happens to the other 30%? One of you backed out. Yeah, we terminated. We're buying them sight unseen, virtual. When we go and we do our walkthrough and we say, you said good condition, this is not good. Here's a termination. Okay. Yeah, you act like you've never heard of an inspection period and then a buyer backing out. That's a very normal thing that happens. But sellers, just sellers backing never out on us, out. that does not happen. <laughs> never happens on the seller side, though. Just 30% 30 of the time, it's normal for it to happen for buyers backing out an inspection period, but no one as a seller ever backs out. No, no, we, we don't okay. have sellers terminating on us. No. Okay. Gotcha. Do you? Maybe yeah. you me no, to come do your, your acquisition. Air. My God, the let me train your people. Out of thin air. I think you're full of shit. You're you're not you're you're not dude. You brought me a deal you wanted to novate, and I asked you about it three times, and you told me the lady backed out of the deal. What deal? The seven hundred thousand dollar. <laughs> House and no, 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 no. We terminated because there was a second lien for seventy thousand dollars that she said didn't exist. We terminated. Gotcha. See, no, no. no. I am looking forward That's to doing this live. Then we can deal with it, <laughs> dude. This live is gonna be amazing. Are we bringing <laughs> folding chairs? Because like I just <laughs> see some WWE <laughs> SmackDown occurring. I the bookends on my screen, like. We got red and redder over here. Like I, I don't want holding chairs. I want full chairs that have to break. <laughs> There's there there is a nature of this business where there it's it's seller's remorse. It's it's part of every transaction that takes place. God bless you if it doesn't happen for you. Shame on me for insinuating that you're like every <clears> other person <throat> in the world. But buyers have remorse, <laughs> sellers have remorse. Jesus. It's the nature of the business. It's not necessarily an indication of a flawed process. And there's really no, like, I don't even see how the extreme ownership thing has any correlation whatsoever. Nice try. So, so my question to you is, is that seller calls you with remorse and you're going to say, fuck you, specific performance. <laughs> It's an option. It's black or white in the contract. I said in the beginning of my thoughtful response in comparison to yours was that <laughs> there is an exception, right? Like they, these, you got to understand a lot of the folks that sell to us are not operating in most cases under normal circumstances. They've told the mortgage company they're backing out. They've told their electrical company they're backing out. They've told the the the, the freaking township that they were going to fix the seven cars sitting in the front yard, and they backed out on that. They have a history and a track record of backing out of agreements. So when they call us and they say, I got the money, it's taken care of, I'm not moving forward, it's often a smoke and mirrors of them trying to delay the inevitable and if we don't dig to the root of the problem again, we're likely just going to, we're going to let them off the hook and they're going to end up losing the house or they're going to end up in an inferior situation. People just, back out. They have sellers. Thank you for reminding me why I don't do deals in York, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So real quick, I just wanted to interject. I'm going to be late for dinner if I continue to let you two talk. So we're going to go. <laughs> How many we're going to have to until we're live. 
<laughs> Man, I, I think it's four. I, I don't know. Steve, <laughs> s- send out the memo on that. Anyways. I think we're six weeks away. All right, beautiful. So, obviously a very thought-provoking question. Two very different sides of the coin. Um, ironically enough, the literally the chat agrees with RJ on this. They don't agree with, with Eric on it. Um, well, no, 25% does, which is about the back out rate that RJ has on his contracts. So we got that going for us. Um, I think that everybody kind of is coming from the same place and correct me if I'm wrong of trying to do the right thing for themselves, for their organization. And then also for the seller. I think that, I think we can kind of all agree on that. That being said, the chat says that RJ gets the point. So RJ gets the point. But because he was so patient through the whole thing, and we have a tie. It's been a hot minute. You know what's coming. Here it comes. I, I see Here it. it. He's, got, he's got his head shaking. Leon G. Barnes is going to win today hey. for, being, for being the classiest member of PTD. We got what is the most underappreciated position in real estate. Start us off, RJ. Oh, man. Um I'm going to go with the Dispo manager. I, I think that is probably the, the aspect that no one likes to talk about. Um, it probably gets the least amount of attention from all of us uh, internet marketers, like CJ said. You know, <laughs> all of us that are, you know, we love to talk about the clothes. We love, love to talk about marketing and, and what we're doing to get all these properties on a contract. But the checks are made when you sell the property. And very rarely, like if you go look at almost everyone's YouTube channel, that's like the least amount of content that is put out is selling the properties when the check is actually made. Um, and so I think that's probably the most underrated position. All right. Valid point. You don't see you don't see a lot on the dispo side. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts? Uh, I would say it's the lead manager. Uh, I think the lead manager has so much responsibility and they bring so much to the organization. They're the ones that have to do the follow-up calls. They have to keep in touch with the homeowners, seeing every month how they're doing, how things are going, how are they doing with, with, with the struggle they had. So they had to do the worst work where they had to get screamed at the most, generally speaking, and they don't get the most amount of money, right? The glory goes to the acquisition manager. And then to RJ's point, the dispo manager, when we close the deal, we're celebrating, right? But no one ever celebrates the lead manager, and that's the person that has to build a relationship with the homeowner to stay in touch with them for the next 3, 15, 24 months to make sure we're bringing a signed contract to the organization. Mm. Unless you're RJ, you just have them locked up in under 60 seconds. So, you know, I'm just <laughs> just going to throw that part out there, you know, a little bit different perspective. All right, Brewer, what's your thoughts? I think it's transaction coordinating. Um, mm. you know, I, I think to, to, I think Dispo does get celebrated, right? Like, um, there might not be a lot of people that talk about it or market about it. Cause for the most part in the last three years, selling a property has been relatively easy. It was very transactional. If you put a decent deal out there, someone would gobble it up. There wasn't a ton of maybe skill that that was required. And I think that's tightening up right now. And people have, have put a lot more energy around Dispo, but And our organization, from the time the acquisitions, who I think is the most celebrated, gets the contract, TC deals with a lot of the customer questions about paperwork. They're dealing with title companies, especially in some of these areas that we talked about before where you have closing attorneys 
right? That don't return calls. They don't reply to emails. Sellers are trying to back out except on RJ's deals. And you know, the TC person is the one that has to, to keep everybody together. They got to handle all of the dispositions agents, messy, incomplete paperwork. They got to handle all of the acquisitions agents, incomplete paperwork. And they are the one that actually delivers it from, Hey, we have a contract to the day that the dispo guy gets celebrated and paid. Um, I'm a big fan of TC and I don't think they get enough shine. All right. True. TC. They're the real MVPs. All right, CJ, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think Eric uh, and Steve had good answers. I agree with both of them. Um, I mean, RJ, yeah, I mean, you know. Um, but for me, uh, I'm definitely going to say the integrator. Uh, shout out to DeAndre Mind. Um, man, I mean, when you're the integrator, you never get the glory. You never get the high fives. You never get the pats on the back. Uh, you never, you never get interviewed on Steve Trank's podcast. Uh, nobody's celebrating you all day, every day. And you're the glue, like you're the glue man. Like you're the person that's making sure that everything's going the way it's supposed to go. Is the lead manager on point? Is the sales team on point? Is the T TC team on point? Is the dispo team on point? Hey, did everybody get their check? Hey, did we get the systems implemented correctly? Uh, so I, I definitely would say the integrator, man. Integrators need more love. Uh, everybody wants to be uh, on the highlight reel and uh, the person celebrated, but most of us wouldn't be able to do anything uh, without our uh, our integrator for sure. I mean, what's RJ without Cassie? I mean, imagine RJ without Cassie, man. I mean, he he be he be thumbtacking over here, hanging up my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, for the record, I have had one integrator on the podcast. One, one. How many? Out oh, of how many episodes? How many episodes? Uh, three hundred some. The forgot, the forgotten warrior, man. The integrator, man. For the record, CJ is right. The integrator is important. Eric is right. The TC is important. Steve, after his amazing moment, he had the question prior. Comes in with the worst answer ever. <laughs> managers are worthless, bro. That is the most meaningless position of all time. What is the acquisitions manager's job? Like, to lock up contracts. Just to, <laughs> to buy houses. The I mean, my to God, how do y'all not have houses contracts if you have someone just teeing them up for them? Hit the if you want to run a profitable organization, it's up to you, man. I don't care how you run your business. Oh man, I, I hate lead manager more. That's a question for another PTD. Let's talk about that. Should you have a lead manager? <laughs> Shout out to all the lead managers. I'm a closer. See, by definition, money. he just proved the most unappreciated the way, role. Hey, RJ, if you don't have a lead manager, you are the lead manager, buddy. So your, your freaking acquisitions agents are receptionists. Basically, no, <laughs> they close the deal. Oh man, we're we're not gonna let RJ and, and Brewer go at it for 15 minutes like last time. We're, we're not we're not gonna go <laughs> down that down road. 15 minutes. It was 45 minutes it at was, the beginning. Hang on a second. I, I, I this, right? Hang on, RJ. You're full of shit. <laughs> RJ, you're full of shit. You don't there know. Is. There it is. <laughs> uh, now, they said RJ is the cold caller, the texter. They said he's the yeah, door knocker. He's the door right. knocker. 
He was probably offended when I made the pajamas joke. Right? <laughs> I do that three days a week. That's why, doing, uh, that's why you had that shift on the Closers Olympics at 3 a.m. Because you were in your V8. <laughs> I didn't know that in y'all's businesses, the acquisitions manager literally called the sellers and say, what's your email? Let me send you the contract. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? They have to follow up and ask them how they're doing and what's going on with the house. Like, bro, are you doing that, RJ? Yes. You're talking to a acquisition manager, does. No, that's not it at all. Okay. (laughs) Magically, this is how I close more deals than everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should hire someone else to fuck shit up before me. (laughs) (laughs) So, it is. Thereby proving lead manager most underappreciated position. Uh, yeah, I uh, guess when, I guess when you go to upload this one is you got to hit that eighteen plus. Uh, <laughs> for real, man. I I like the PTD just leveled up. We went for it. Um, I'm not mad at it. I am gonna say because I personally um, agree with this. I'm giving the point to Brewer transaction coordinator most underappreciated on the planet not saying the integrator not saying that well we're not going to get in the lead manager side of things because that's like a whole thing you know all all of them are underappreciated at some level probably but the tc probably the most i can't wait for you guys to answer this one what is the dumbest real estate advice you've ever seen online start us off cj Look, all of it, uh, when you don't have context. Uh, you know, here's the funny thing about the online business of influence and this era since COVID where everybody's posting reels, everybody's got a YouTube channel, everybody's doing this, everybody's doing that. Why is it so many people that aren't speaking to the actual audience that they may actually have? Nobody's digging deep into the insights to see who their audience is. It's hard when you've got people that are 40, 50, 60 years old that are speaking only from the place that they're at currently in their business after 10, 15, 30 years and not speaking to uh, the person in the wholesaling group that's just getting started that they're going and talking about all their successes in. So a lot of it's bullshit. That's my opinion. Uh, and that's what I'm standing on. Make sure you're in charge though. <laughs> love, love the plug at the end. Not even mad at it. Well, well done, CJ. And way to come in under 45 seconds. All right, RJ, what about you? Yeah, it's pretty easy to come in under 45 seconds when you don't give an answer. So appreciate that, PJ. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go and with, we're off. Uh, it doesn't take money to wholesale real estate. Um, this is like the most common thing that gurus and influencers and educators out there say like, hey, it doesn't take money. You can get into wholesaling. It absolutely costs money to have the systems. It costs money to generate leads yes are there ways to do it without utilizing a ton of funds sure but that is not a sustainable business you can't actually create a wholesaling business without having operating capital so i think that is the most misleading and dumbest thing that people put out there about real estate and again under 45 seconds Uh uh-oh uh-oh we're, we're making up time here. All right. Ne- next up, Leon, what about you? Dumbest thing. And I started uh, thinking about this question and I didn't have enough fingers and toes to count how many dumb ideas I see on the daily. Um, but that said, this is not unprecedented. 
colleges and universities have done this for hundreds of years, stealing people's money and selling them on dreams that, quite frankly, are never going to come true and or that university could not get them to that to that level because they're selling something that, uh, quite frankly, isn't the best for that particular person. But specifically, I think that of all of them, the one that I struggle with the most is uh, gurus out there telling everyone that they need to switch. They have a successful business and maybe a single family asset. And all of a sudden, it's no longer sexy. It's something that in order to get rich and create wealth, in order to buy in singles, you got to buy home runs every single time with multifamily and commercial. You've got to make the switch. If you don't do it, you're dumb. That's the one that I struggle with the most here recently. Very good. Very good. Appreciate it, Leon. All right, Brewer, what about you? What you got? Uh, the top, near the top of the list would be the advice RJ just gave. Uh, so I had to line through my original answer, and actually his may be now at the top. Um, you actually don't need money. I do think there needs to be a disclaimer that if you run a larger organization, if you're going to do direct-to-seller marketing, you intend to pay yourself a salary, you're planning on quitting your W-2 job or your primary source of income, you do need money, but you can get started and you can make a sustainable amount of income without operating cost. Is that a business? No, but we're talking about general real estate advice. I think all of the three guys gave good answers and without context, which is the important thing Chris said, it's all bad. But I think there's really no bad advice given. There's the bad interpretation of it without context. Most of these guys got 30 seconds or 60 seconds in a reel to place an ad. I don't blame them for their marketing strategy. I think some of that responsibility has to get shifted to the consumer to not be a complete gullible fool. I'm glad to hear that Eric understands and comprehends enough my answer because it is all of it. If you go talk to real estate agents, guess what? They're going to tell you that the bad answer is wholesalers. If you go talk to title companies, guess what? They're going to tell you the bad. Like everybody, multifamily guys is going to say the exact opposite of Leon. They're going to say, oh, well, why would you stick around a single family and try to have 300 single family doors where you can just go acquire units? It's all of it with con like if you understand context, right? To RJ's point, look, let's just be really clear because this, this is to my point about when people give information only from the place that they're currently at, not to the audience. Eric hit it on the head. We can't keep having a discussion acting like you can't get into wholesaling without any money. I've got tons of students, man, that have got on a bus and caught a bus down to a city courthouse, pulled a probate list and made some money and changed their lives. Yeah, is that not a business? Sure, but some people just need to make an extra couple grand a month right now so they can survive. <clears throat> is it possible? Yes. Should it be what you're utilizing to sell your education platform? No because I can guarantee you there are more people that fail out of these platforms thinking they don't need any capital to become a wholesaler and they get into it and they realize, wait, it does cost money. I mean, people, CJ, don't, people don't fail because of, of money, RJ. They fail because of effort. That That's yeah, just a fact. I mean, in, any, in anything, in anything, it's not about, it's not about the specific resources only. It's, it's, it's just about effort, right? Because you can do a deal with no, with, with no resources. You can't JV. I can JV on a deal in Florida with Leon and, and have not, no money in the deal. And I can create money out of it in a wholesale process. People do it all the time, every single day. It Absolutely. just comes down to effort that stops. You me. can do anything. I don't think that should be, we're talking about what's the dumbest real estate advice. I think it is very common for us to utilize that as a sales tactic 
in an education platform saying you don't need any money to become a wholesaler. I think that is highly misleading. To Eric's point, could you do it just, and you said it too, to supplement your income, just to make a couple of thousand dollars more? Sure. But to become a wholesaler, to actually have a business, no, you need operating capital to run that business. All right. I don't Not want to make this a me and RJ thing. So I'm going to leave it here. I don't know if everybody lacks the awareness to understand that not everybody's trying to come in and build some big business. Wholesaling is an opportunity for people to create capital. Just it's just like wholesaling a car, man. It's it's not not any different than other industries. The, the reality just, is, is is this whole dialogue kind of proves my point. RJ's advice is really really good based on his perspective, the business that he runs and the people that he's looking to influence and impact. CJ is speaking from a different perspective, looking to impact and influence a completely different set of people. This is the problem with advice. There has to be context. The real advice should be before you take any, there should almost be an indoctrination process that you have to go through to ensure that the person that you're following aligns with your goals, has some relevant experience being in the place that you're in, even if it was 10 years ago, right? Um, it, this proves my point exactly. RJ's advice is both extremely accurate and 100% misleading, if that's even possible. That's kind all of, of it, all yeah. of it without all of it without context. Correct. But but wouldn't we say that today, even though I know we're saying the dumbest with context included, wouldn't we say that this information, the amount of information that's available, is better than not having it? like 10 years ago, 15 years with ago, the proper, with the proper context. With the proper context. I mean, yeah. we're, 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 we're bad mouthing and we're saying, you know, potentially dumb, but there's a lot of great information that's out there. And there's more millionaires being created through real estate. I don't know the numbers off of that off the top of my head, but the amount of information that's available to become a millionaire with execution to CJ's point, it's, it's the, the opportunities are endless. I told y'all I was going to enjoy that round. Um, I'm really glad that you guys uh, chopped that one up. That being said, CJ knows who the boss is. Thank you for giving the shout out to Mrs. Potter. You're going to go ahead and get the point that round. <laughs> How do you hold yourself accountable in your organization? Start us off, Pace. Marketing. All day marketing. If marketing's going well, then I'm doing well. I also try and stay away from the office as much as possible to CJ's point. I might be the brick, right? People are looking at a brick wall and they go, they go, man, that's a beautiful brick wall. Nowhere in there do they say, man, that mortar is really beautiful, but it's really the mortar that holds it all together. So my job is to bring the marketing to the table and my team uh, handles everything else. So um, the Josiahs of the world, Cody Barton, my partner in four of my businesses, I'm accountable by staying out of the office. And when my team says marketing is going well, then I know I'm doing a good job. Beautiful. All right. RJ, how are you staying accountable? So I, I think this is a fun question because it's going to show some of our different personalities. So obviously I have a much different personality than Pace. So my difference is, is that I am consistent. I'm consistently here at the office. I'm consistently here for my team. I'm consistently trying to grow myself, whether it be in leadership, whether it be in knowledge of real estate, um, whatever it is, I'm constantly trying to grow and be better for them. Um, so I eliminate some of those factors that do uh, hinder my team because of my chaos 
style. But that being said, I always want to be here for them and I want to show them an example of what I want them to be for the company. Super insightful and under the one minute. I'm I'm impressed, RJ. Are we trying to make a late push here? <laughs> All right. <Maybe. laughs> DJ, what about you, boss? Yeah, I hold myself accountable and I hold my ADHD accountable uh, by making sure that uh, shout out to die acquisitions, all right? Like making sure people on my team know that the door is consistently always open to hold me accountable, to tell me where I'm messing up, to tell me where I could be doing better, uh, to tell me where I'm falling short, to call me on my shit when nobody else wants to do that. Um, I've, I've created that space where people know that I do business with, Hey, look, if I'm messing up, if I've dropped a ball, if you know, whatever the case might be, uh, it'll hit me up, man. Like, let's sit down chop it up let's get on the same page because we're we're both fighting for our families we're both fighting to to take better care of ourselves and uh yeah just keep the door open man for people to hold me accountable in my life and sometimes that's not comfortable but uh that's how you continue to to, to grow and evolve and make things happen pace do you think what you do is something that other people should try to mirror no I know myself. I know what I bring to the table and I'm really good at hiring number twos. Like if anybody knows Molly on my team, she's uh, not just a right arm, she's a left arm. And I've got a handful of Molly's and I've got a handful of Cody's and Josiah's. I've nine operators that handle my marketing. And so I just know myself and I know where I should spend all my time. I I think Pace made a good point earlier. I think people see us, people like Grant Cardone, stuff like that as these, these public faces of things. Uh, and then the credit and allocation of who's figuring it all out, who's making it work, uh, gets automatically gifted to us, you know, really kind of unfairly in truth. Um, you know, I know without certain people on my side, you know, nothing would be, you know, it'd be just a cluster. I mean, it would just be insane. Right. And so a lot of that doesn't get said, right. The marketing companies, the copywriters, the salespeople, like all those, all those things take a lot of energy and effort. And uh, it's usually not us uh, that, that's, that's doing that every single day. So I agree with Paceman. Shout out to the integrators for sure. I mean, to going back to the question I asked Pace, the reason why I brought that up is, is it's similar to the vast majority of the content that I post out on social media is me talking to sellers. And I tell people all the time, don't try to close like me. Try to close like you. And I think to Pace's point, don't try to hold yourself accountable the exact same way that Pace does know yourself and just make sure you are holding yourself accountable. I think that's the point of all this is one way or another, make sure that you are holding yourself accountable and you're not putting yourself on this high horse of I'm a leader. No one holds me 